When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Autocar podcast series, My Week in Cars, with me, Matt Pryor, and Steve Properly. Morning, Stephen. Morning, Matthew. How are you? Very well, thank you, mate. Busy week for us both again, I think. I but, bet it was, yeah. Yeah, and over the next half an hour or so, Steve and I are going to be expanding on our respective Autocar columns. Uh, and uh, some of your correspondence, too. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. And uh, the first, we have a we have a reader question. A question you may be able to answer, says Kieran Dick, who has spent quite a lot of time living in the Middle East. Why does the UK love manual cars? Surely any so-called historical benefits are now just that. Sitting in another traffic jam on the M4, I keep wishing for an automatic. We do yeah. quite like an auto in the UK, don't we? Well, I think so. Oh, sorry, like... a manual, sorry. We do quite like a manual gearbox in the UK. Yeah, but I still think that the... There's a, a certain efficiency attached to them. I mean, you do get optimal economy. I know you can just about match it these days with the best autos, but, mm. but I mean, the manual gearboxes themselves are more compact than autos in cars, so they weigh less, Yeah, um, which must have a fuel consumption benefit, I think. And also, I just love the challenge. You know, yeah. I get... One of the reasons I bought my Duster, which I bang on about, I'm going to stop one day... <laughs> Is, no rush, mate. No rush. <laughs> People like hearing about that. Well, it's, it's just great. But the thing is, it, it's got a really nice gear change, and I get in it, and I think, you know, you, you pull off a few nice gear changes and you enjoy it. And mm. I mean, the reason you and I are here and the reason one hopes people are listening to this is because they love cars. And, yeah. and part of it's the challenge of, of driving smoothly and, man of, and and there's no, amazingly, there's no cost or um, efficiency uh, uh, problem so good thing I think yeah I think Still. so and it's because yes because it is ultimately I get I do get Karen's point if you're sitting on the M4 it can be a bit of a you know it can be a bit of a bore yeah but I but yeah I'm with you mate, because the reason I do this thing of liking cars is because it's a hobby and it's yeah. something to do and if I was playing golf and 
you know, every one of my golf swings was done by something else. Well, that would be the point of doing that. I, oh, quite, okay. enjoy, I quite enjoy the, the process of changing gear. Yeah. And I'm not, it's not like I'm doing anything else. It's not I think like the, the M25 solution is to listen to a nice podcast. Well, that is clearly the way. Yeah, that is clearly the way. I mean, modern autos are really good these days, to be fair. Aren't they? Oh, they They're are. Really and you get a lot of pleasure out of them, don't you? Yeah. I mean, the steering committee has a Cooper S and, mm. and that That's really auto, has a beautiful eight-speed auto. Oh, okay. I love it. I mean, yeah. I mean, but you know, variety is a spice of life. You know, mm. I just you can enjoy that, and then you can go and enjoy a manual. I, I yeah. just love the the fact that there's no a manual is enjoyable, a good one. There's no penalty in either cost or efficiency. Yeah, and you save some weight. Yeah, I wonder why the UK likes them more than others. Do we have more hobbyists than others? Is are we a nation where we sit around doing model railways and? Yeah, well, in a way that a lot of countries don't make the people don't say this, don't they? they? They, I mean, you hear it from from uh, continentals who come and mess around at Goodwood with us. You know, yeah. they 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 all say, uh, you know, there's it's not quite like uh, this in my country. I mean, the Dutch and pretty big on car culture and all that. But I remember the first time I ever came to this country. I remember writing to my mother years ago, my long deceased mother, saying, mm. "You know what's amazing about this country? There's the, people are hobbyists. They'll." In my street, there will be some bloke making a model of the Ark Royal out of Mastics. You know, yeah. there just will be. Yeah. I'm always struck by that. Well, the, the winter walks where some, you'll, you'll go strolling around and somebody's got a garage door open because they've got the, you know, a few gardening tools or whatever they need to get in and out. Yeah. You sort of look in the garage and think, oh, there's a car or a motorbike or yeah. something in there. Yeah, there is a... Yeah, a lot of people do, don't they? I bemoan the, the, the loss of the garage as a thing. Oh, mate, really well, sad about that. I was wandering through Burford the other day with the missus and just sitting on the forecourt, you know, in amongst, as you say, and wheelbarrows and things was this a Vincent, lovely Ooh. Vincent motorbike. And Vincent. I thought, there's a, you know, a right-thinking man lives in there. <laughs> exactly. Or person, you or know. person. Right, on to, well, I mean, it probably, it probably is a man, isn't it? Yeah, but They usually so. are, to be fair. You, oh. It would be a fairly safe... I mean, you know, we're a broad church here and welcome everybody, but by and large, most of those old hobbyists are blokes. It's nice to meet somebody who isn't, actually, isn't it? But it's it most is, of them yeah, are. very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, on to the columns. We haven't even started yet. First, <laughs> first of all, you've written about uh, following a first-gen, or, well, it might be an updated one, but sort anyway, of, a Honda NSX of yeah. the original variety. Yeah, well, I ran a, ran a long-termer in, in towards the end of the 90s, way back before the water and the gas, and um, um, and I did 30,000 miles in it, and it was a superb car. We all loved it because it was not only sounded beautiful and was well-made, everything was made out of aluminium, as you know, but it was extremely practical, so the ventilation worked and there was enough ground clearance, all the things. Hmm. And I just remember it so fondly, so I'm wandering through the... Uh, you know, down the road, really, behind this bloke, same colour, orange body, back, uh, black roof. And I, it just started me thinking about this car. And then um, earlier in the day, I'd been talking to another friend about this book that I happen to own, which is called Cooper Cars by Doug Nye. Beautiful book, extremely well-researched. I've always loved Coopers because of the... I was brought up with a legend of Cooper, mm-hmm who, you know, started the rear-engine revolution or mid-engine revolution in F1 cars. And um, it just happens that John Cooper of Cooper Cars was the bloke that handed over this Honda NSX to me. And he even signed the underside of the of the panel, you know, the boot panel at the front. Oh, really? 
And we got, you know, we dug out a picture of him doing it and all yeah. that. And he was just a lovely bloke, really lovely bloke. And he, he was extremely proud of his history, but he also was a great practical joker. And he finished up telling me this tale about how he he used to sort of pull these wheezes in the in the paddock. And one day he he allowed himself to be seen surreptitiously adding Ribena to the cooling system of a <laughs> of a Formula One car. Yeah. Um, and then he he sort of whispered. A big secret that it made the car run cooler, and he, he claimed that <laughs> later in the day, because you know the, they used to race multiple times during the day, mm. there were people around the uh, paddock adding ribena, adding ribena to the to the cooling systems of Formula Excellent. One cars. Excellent. He was a is a top bloke, and he was a, he was a Honda owned a Honda dealership. Honda dealer, yeah, yeah, in Ferring yeah. in um, in West Sussex, yeah, yeah. which is uh, of a time when presumably Honda was much admired for its engineering. Ingenuity and everything else. Wasn't yeah, it, it mean, was a Cooper big deal, and, that car. Cooper and Honda is quite a nice fit, isn't it? I mean, I know he's very famous for the work he did with minis, but Cooper and Honda sort of good, good yeah. fit with each other, you'd think. Yeah, it was, he, he appreciated all that. He, yeah. he, was a, he was a proper car nut, that guy. Mm. On the subject of uh, dealerships, you've just had the Mighty Duster service. <laughs> we, I know we've mentioned it already. We're going to mention it again. The Mighty Dacia Duster has been in for its... Is it a first service? Second service? Well, uh, I don't know how long you've Well, 15,000 miles. I think it... Because it, it was... It was my long-termer. Hmm. I think it probably had some titivation in the in the while well, it was a press car, but okay. but uh, it was the first under my uh, ownership, hmm. and I just happened to have a really good local dealer uh, in Swindon called Fish Brothers, and they they were very nice to me when the car was handed over. They, you know, when I showed up to to get this couple of hours' work done. Yeah, they were nice to me again. I enjoyed the coffee. The, I particularly liked the smell of new cars. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed looking at the, the new Megane E was there, and I, I particularly rate the design of that car. I don't know what they're like. I haven't been in one. I'm about to borrow one. But but uh, promising car, I think. Yeah, I thought they were pretty good. And they're at the uh, that sort of right level in terms of specification and battery size and power and 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 whatnot, they seem to have got a balance pretty yeah. pretty well. I spent a bit of time in a, some pre-production ones, but I haven't driven a f- finished one for some time, I think. But I, There's yeah, one on I the think... strength here somewhere. I think the, our, our colleagues have got them, so yeah, we probably should, so. yeah, I should spend a find bit one time and drive. Actually, I think, I can't remember who's running it, it may be uh, somebody from Glasgow Sports Car who, yeah, wants to Clemens, think, Clemens, yeah. who wants to spend a bit of time in my multivan, actually, so I will swap that with him and report back, yeah. which would be cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I must say, I like the whole idea. Mm. So the Renault dealer is shared with the Dacia dealer. They're yeah, part of the Dacia, same Renault, Empire, and... they? so they, they're in the same facility. Yeah, and they just, I just like the smell of new cars. And but yeah, the one thing they don't do is Alpine. I have to take my Alpine okay. further afield, but uh, that's all right. That's all right. Go for a drive at the same time. Yep. The process of getting a car serviced, how it. it Presumably relatively inexpensive in a Dacia. That's two twenty, two hundred and twenty quid for the fifteen thousand mile service. Um, very thorough check. Yeah, uh, everything green lighted. Yeah, it was just a really pleasant experience, yeah. and I and it defeats me that but some people see it as a chore, and I I look forward to it. I look forward to it again. Yeah, <laughs> and we've always got the thing is, I mean, as a lot of people do, as a lot of office workers do, and people who've got new cars who have these jobs do. We've all got. We always got some homework we can get on with, haven't we? Do you know what yeah. I mean? I think as long as the place has got a, a comfy chair and a desk and a coffee machine, Wi-Fi, pretty and Wi-Fi. I'm pretty happy. Yeah, the Wi-Fi was better than my damn Wi-Fi. Oh, well, there you go. 
Yeah, go for a service every time. <laughs> every time you've got a large Do a podcast bit of file to upload. downloading. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let's move column through column item three. Yeah, let's move on to this column item three: the Ford Mustang Mac E and the Jaguar I Pace. You've had correspondence from Peter Robinson. Yeah, well, you, you remember Robbo, of course, um, um, our European editor for a decade or whatever it mm. was. Lived in Italy, knew everything. Yeah, and he, we just happened to be talking. Uh, like we do, and he um, he was saying, of course, you realise, you know, you've heard this story about how um, Ford scanned the the I-Pace concept when it appeared in Los Angeles in 2016. Um, I didn't know this story, but they apparently they took all the dimensions back to their place, built a a full size replica of the I-Pace, mm. you know, out of foam or something, and. <clears throat> Nobody says this, but they they must have used it to inform what they were doing with the Mustang Mach E. Yeah, because the car the wheelbases of these cars are within six millimeters of one another, which is the you know half the width oh, of your wow. little finger. Yeah, um, and the all the other dimensions are very close. Mm-hmm. The Ford's a bit higher, I think, because Ford have probably more emphasis on rear room than uh, than yeah, uh, than, Jaguar. than Jaguar, but yeah. Beyond that, they're very, very similar, and and it's just interesting that that I-Pace was seen seen by Ford as so optimal because yeah. this was after Ford had moved away from. Yes, of JLR. course, because because at, at one point JLR could have uh, you know was part of the Ford oh Premier Automotive Group that's it. was that yeah. in the nineties yeah, wasn't it? it? Yeah, they might have they might even have shared a structure at one stage, but yeah. not, not not this time. Yeah, I think some Ford execs are still regret slightly the fact that the Premier Automotive Group. Split broke up, which was kind of necessitated by the well, that time when the American Big Three had a huge financial burden. That was it. Yeah, and, and Ford was the one that didn't go bust. Yeah, because that didn't it need a bailout from yeah, the government. Yeah, because it managed to get rid of some of the things that it owned. But but they went a, on about um, you know needing the management time to burnish the blue oval and all that, and there mm. just weren't enough good managers in the world to run all these companies. They, yeah, they felt they felt. Yeah, but it was a good lineup of. Brands, wasn't it? With yeah, Volvo, uh, Jaguar, Land Rover, Aston Martin. It could have been really. Be interesting to see what they would have done with Aston Martin, isn't yeah. it? Because, you know, Aston Martin is is, you know, the cars look okay, but uh, boy, the the debts look a bit scary, don't they? The, the debts do look a bit scary. We spoke last week, didn't we, about Aston Martin? Yeah. I'm going to diverge slightly from our um, this week's columns back to last week's columns. Uh, what was the Phrase that Aston Martin had got oh, something God. unleashed, wasn't it? Yeah, ferocity uh, unleashed. Ferocity unleashed. Yeah. yeah, and that was. Um, I was having a look at Aston Martin's um, Instagram feed, and exhilaration, full stop. On wheels, full stop. Hypnotizing, full stop. Magnetizing, full stop. Lightweight honeycomb symmetry, full stop. New paragraph. DBS seven seventy ultimate, and it's a picture of the front wheel of the um, the new DBS seven seventy, and it just. You know, it's words, but they don't mean anything. However, if you go to uh, Miles Nurnberger, who is Aston's director of design, yeah. lovely man, moved to Dacia for a bit, but has come back. Came He's back. posted exactly the same photo of the sort of front wheel and front profile section. And he's captioned it. It's definitely one of my favourite wheels the design team have created. It was originally developed for the Valkyrie as a centre lock design, and the team have managed to incorporate the five stub bolt set up flawlessly for the DBS 770. Actually, That's much better. How much nicer is that? Actual that, information. Actual information <laughs> that, as you say, grown-ups who are thinking about spending three hundred thousand pounds on a car, 
would go, oh, yeah, interesting. I like that. Yeah. Straight from the design director. Not, uh, none of this yeah. nonsense. Just Those people, I mean, there's no doubt that, that people at his level are, are fantastic performers and, and the closer you can get to them, the better, the, mm. the greater the experience. So, so he's done a good thing for them. Yeah. I hope they know it. The thing about these ludicrous um, uh, slogan things is I just keep thinking of the invoice. Somebody <laughs> will have spent a week thinking up that nonsense. Yes, and then they yes. will have sent, you know, they would have sent the five grand. They arrived you know. with a bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I keep yeah. thinking about the, the, the you know, the, how many profit margins on a car are, are, are necessary to pay for this ludicrous crap. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, and you, but whereas you can hear exactly from the design director what they've done with that, yeah. what the idea is. Ah, he's a wheel. smart man, Miles. Yeah, he's a great bloke, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's really great to spend time with. Um, anyway, I uh, go off on a tangent slightly from what we were going to do. Oh, actually, yes, we'll move. Have we finished with I-Pace and Marquee? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Have we? Oh, oh I, yeah, I-Pace, when it came out, was the best EV in the world, I thought, yeah. at the time. Yeah. I thought maybe it... Maybe it's not now. But well, it's, it sort still of still good, holds it? up. It's just, it's just the, the concerns you've got over the, over where it fits in the Jaguar lineup, mm. and there was a bit of range stuff, wasn't there? You know, they came out promising two hundred and eighty miles and delivering two hundred and two hundred and ten, yeah. and but I, one of my friends has got one, and he's he's having a good time with it. Oh, interesting. And the thought is that the Ford engineers literally turned up at the show and. Took a tape measure to it. Is that the thing? Is that well the thing? scanned it? Yeah, they just took a lot of photographs from a lot of different angles. You know the way you can these days, and then yeah. bunged it in the computer and 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 machined one out of foam. Pretty clever. Pretty and then clever they stuff. thought, is this is this along the lines that we had in mind? And the big and yes must yes. Have come back. Yes, let's do that, but make it ride terribly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, seventy percent of good we're saying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, which is you know an, an improvement on where it was. Yeah, much better than forty. Right, we will take a quick ad break. Although strangely, some of you may not get an ad break because I've had people writing and going, "You keep going to an ads, and I don't. I'm not getting at the moment." But sometimes, basically, depending on where you're listening, who you're listening with, sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. But we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a second. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So welcome back to My Week in Cars. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. I will send out the next batch of mugs or have the next batch of mugs sent out. So Hooray. I've got to get through some. I've just, I've got some time tomorrow. I'll go through the addresses and I'll supply them. And so if you are waiting on a, a My Week in Cars mug, 
you'll get one soon enough. And anyway. if you think that there's a, you know, in our magnificent organisation, there's a bank of PAs and... You'd think and, so, wouldn't you? You'd like to you think. You know, the, a whole production line of people packaging mugs. Oh, it'd be great It's actually that, Matt Pryor. Well, I'm, I don't do the packaging, but I do have to go through and supply the addresses to one poor person who does have to send them all out. So, uh, yeah, so if you are waiting for one, hopefully it won't be too much longer. But we have a, uh, a repeat contributor here. Martin Gordian has written before... Oh, Martin, I hope we've sent you a mug if we were meant to. Anyway, Does he get two mugs? There's a question. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. But I mean, if he'd like to, if he'd like two mugs, I suppose so. Or he could nominate somebody else to receive his mug, his second mug. I don't know. Have Big question. Got, have Big you question. got one? No, mate, I haven't. <laughs> <Not a five. laughs> um, anyway, he says greetings again. Still loving the podcast, and it was very kind. God, sounds like Steve right in the afternoon. Love the show, Steve. Uh, especially as it's... Uh, right, the reason I write, I write, says Martin, is the Volkswagen Up, and specifically the GTI, cost me a smidge over 13 grand in Germany... Uh, wow. In Guernsey, sorry, back in uh, late 2019. Oh, no VAT, of course. Uh, that's fully specced. Um, I liked it so much that I bought a second one that I keep in the UK, and... Um, got most of the money anyway his thinking is uh will it ever be volkswagen has just closed the order books on the up because it's got too many uh, orders for them and the waiting list has got too long i think it's like two years or something like that his worry is will it ever be on sale again i wouldn't bet my house on that no because you know as we know we've discussed here before the um the profit margins are very small. The dealers would rather sell something bigger. The, there's the problem with semiconductors, which you can use in bigger and more expensive and profit-generating cars. And even the ID3, which is more of a profit generator, has had its range drastically you know, reduced in, in complexity because of the problems with electronics. Yeah. So I, I think enjoy your your up GT. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. GTI, GTI, yeah. yeah, GTI. If you've got two, keep them both. And in, yeah, so beautiful little car, car, though. Really nice. Yeah. yeah, and every time a new uh, EU emissions regulation or bit of safety recommendation comes in, regulation comes in, it gets more expensive, heavier, more complex, diff- more difficult to keep yeah. cars like that going, isn't it? Doesn't it? And yeah, as, I as think they need on this show, keeping think. in a heated motorhouse and all that, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take so them think, to the dealer regularly. Yeah, anyway, Martin says he also had an i20N for a short amount of time. Uh, the i10 has gone and the up is a keeper. Well, I think that's probably very sensible. Yeah. Ultimately. Love the styling too. I was yeah. part of the, the car of the year jury that failed to make that car car of the year. Oh, uh, really? And I always felt like an idiot not for that. I I can't remember how I voted, but I... I the result was it didn't wasn't car of the year and it should have been. So that would have been because you haven't been a car of the year juror for almost a decade. A decade, I would, yeah. I would guess. So that car's been around a long time, hasn't it? It has, yeah. That, and that's my other fear, of course. That, yeah. You know, someone will, they'll just, well, well, it'll just, just disappear, won't yeah. it? Yeah. I like cars are doing at the moment. Yeah. yeah. I was wrong. I just want. I, I just so want these little cars to stick around as long as possible. Mm. The i10. That's my. You know that's 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 my icon. I wanted to keep. Uh... Well, let's talk i tens because I was going to talk about my column for a moment. No, no, you, no, do that. No, 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 because you've mentioned the i ten, so we'll do that in a minute. We'll do mine in a bit. Let's talk about the i ten first. You followed one. Well, it was just <laughs> a bit of a sad event, wasn't it? There, there was, there's a. It was a nice looking little car, and, mm. and I thought there's a nice looking little car, and the yeah. closer I got to it, the the 
the more incompetent the driver obviously was. It was somebody that that couldn't work the ventilation system because it was all fogged up. There was sort of a lot of rubbish obscuring the rear vision. The the um, but the worst thing was that this guy w- was was a, a sort of 44-mile-an-hour specialist, and oh. he did 44 miles an hour on 70-mile-an-hour dual carriageway. He did 44 in a 30 zone into a town, and he did 44 through a 20-mile-an-hour school, which is where I lost sight of him because I, believe it or not, was doing... Was doing near a 20, yeah. And it, I just thought, that man is probably, even now, boasting to his mates that he's never been booked and it's all, yep. you know, I've got a clean licence and all yep. that. But the, really, they... The, I, I'd, I'm not keen on on people being pursued and chased and harassed, but his driving should have been better. Yeah, it um, is a curious thing. You fly a light aircraft, yeah, and you have to do a certain number of hours, monitored hours. There's yeah, a, but they, you know, to get your license and maintain, yeah, it, to keep it, yeah, there is a particularly you know, there to is carry a passengers. You've got to do yeah. particular hours and particular landings and all that stuff. Mm. Well, one of the things I always think about in, in in there are growing parallels actually between light aircraft and and modern cars. One is the the EV parallel, which is you know when the first thing they t- teach you in light aircraft is not to run out of fuel, yeah, and that means knowing exactly how far it'll go and what your you need at least one alternate or a couple. Mm-hmm. So if if you arrive at at your destination and there's a herd of cows on the runway, you need to be able to go to Somewhere else, yeah, um, and you and you need to know accurately how, you know, how not to run out of fuel. That's one parallel. The other one is speed control, because you know you come over the hedge to land an aeroplane, and unless you get the speed right, unless you're monitoring speed at all times, you won't land. You know, there's there's a there's a thing called ground effect, and if you're going too fast, you won't land. You know, <laughs> of course, you know you'll punch of a course. hole in the hedge at the other end. Yeah, so. So two things, speed control and, and route planning, are, are, are pretty relevant to today in mm. cars. Mm. And yet you can go an entire lifetime almost. You know, once, once you've last looked at your highway code at the age of 17, you needn't necessarily look at it again until you... Until you croak. Yeah, until you croak. Until, yeah. you're, until you're, you know, your children are wondering what to do with a beaten up Hyundai i10 that's worth threepence. You know? <laughs> or not anymore, actually. I mean, I, I, presumably even beaten up i10s are worth quite a bit. Yeah, it's days. going up. You know, going up Wacko, all the time. Yeah. No, but it's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, it's, you know, most, most of the time you'll just mooch around. Oh, no, clean licence forever. Yeah, never, indeed. Never, oh, yeah, never been never I mean, been it's involved. weird. Having reached the point where, you, where you're supposed to, you have to renew your licence, you know, I've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'd I'd be in fear and trembling if I had to take another test, but there there is a case for it. I think you'd be all right if you had to take another test, Stephen. I reckon you'd be. I okay. might be. I'm pretty I'd, confident you'd be all right. What is the process of renewing? You just fill in a form. That's it. But I think what what happens is that some people just don't bother, and you know, the the number of ancient drivers reduces. But mm. but it's it's a bit a bit pointless otherwise. I think I'm. There might be a few quid attached. Maybe they make some money out of you. Oh, maybe know. it's that. Yeah, maybe it's that. I've forgotten, to be honest. Yeah. Do you have to do it often? Uh, this is over, sorry, three, over the years, age of... Every three years, something like okay. that. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but it's just a sign that you are indeed decrepit. I think you'd be... <laughs> I, th- I reckon I would back you to pass your test today mm. over most of the world. Don't you? Uh, I'd probably... If I'm mugged up, I'd be all right. Yeah, probably. <laughs> be all right. I think you should be fine. Um, should we talk my... Column very briefly. Yes, sir. Yeah, I uh, was on a 
job for this week. Uh, you can't talk about the driving impressions of the car for another month and a bit. It's a new yeah, Ferrari. crazy, isn't it? It's yeah, not going to hold, way. is it? I bet you in two weeks' time we're talking about that car. Ooh. Because someone will bust the embargo. Because someone will bust the embargo. It is a, so it's a Ferrari Puro Sangue, and they don't have many cars uh, to test, for, for journalists to test. So the reason there's a, a long, what we call a long embargo, is that it gives time for all the journalists to get through it, and then nobody gets an advantage over any of the other magazines. It's, it happens quite a lot in the sort so of... So the Brits were fairly far up the pecking order. Oh, yeah, we're, I, I, we're generally regarded as uh, a list plus, mate. We arrive first. Yeah, Probably seen as honest, you see. Keep the embargo. Well, I think that's part of that. Yeah, and we're unlikely to. I don't. You know, I, I don't. I can say it now that I didn't bin it. You know. <laughs> you know. I think we're a, a fairly trusted pair of hands. Kept the shiny side Kept up. Kept the shiny Always side good. up. Yeah, and sometimes on the sort of launch rotations when you do speak to, and I know this is a bit arcane and a bit, you know, talking shop a bit too much probably, but you do talk to some of the sort of comms people and say, yeah, you decide the order of who drives when, and they say, well, yeah, sometimes we sort of put the Chinese last because they don't always come back facing yeah. them, you know, with, with all the panels as they were. Oh, and actually sometimes somebody will turn up and uh, can't can't drive. So just, you know, it gets ferried around for a couple of days and things like that. But anyway, the short of it is, I think we were, yeah, among the first in it. And it's a fabulously complex car. I'm not I'm not giving away anything here. You know, it is a, um, this is all stuff that's, that's out already. It is a taller Ferrari. It's got a V12 in the front, but it's a transaxle at the back. There's the, four-wheel drive take-off little power coupling at the front like the FF and GTC4 had before it. It's got Multimatic uh, spool valve dampers which are you know motorsport derived and then it's got sort of active anti-roll bars incorporated into the damper thing. It's got electric power steering, brake by wire. It's brake by wire. Brake by wire. Yeah and it's and it's which I think the first Ferrari to have that was probably the 296 GTB which of course is a plug-in hybrid so that has to have an element Makes sense. Of, yeah. yeah, has to have an element of it. But they've moved to that completely. And it's all really diff- it's all incredibly complex. So they explain some of it on a video and the engineers explaining some of it on a video are in a room with a simulator. And I think it's the first time Ferrari have talked to me about using simulators. Um but most I mean all all manufacturers use them to a greater or lesser extent. But it's shrouded in real secrecy the simulator stuff in a way that i think maybe nothing but the advanced design studio doors that you're absolutely never allowed to even peek through when you go through to a you know to a development center so you're not even allowed to know who makes the simulator yeah so i said to the so i said to the engineer who makes this sim that you're using and he went and i it needs you know and i mentioned a couple of names from the uk because the uk is pretty world leading in in this stuff i said there's you know was it is, is it an ansible motion one or a um Dynasma one and he sort of had this sort of vague look, looked at a colleague and you know and they look back and they exchange glances and I think I don't, they either don't understand this question which or they're you know it could be a language thing or they don't want to tell me and in the end I said like, can you tell me who makes it he said no 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 I can't one I can't tell you and two about half at least half of it is our own is our own work but it's they these things save so many millions of quid yeah. and so many thousands of hours and a Continental Tyres uses an Ansible Motion's latest one. It's so said, interesting because re- until I read this column, mm. I had no idea. I, I mean, I suppose I should have had an idea, but I had no idea that so much is done with simulators it's astonishing. and road cars. Yeah. I just had no idea. I yeah. know all about race car ones. Mm. or don't know all about them, but I know about them. Yeah, Continental reckon 
that the one sim will save them 10,000 tyres and 100,000 kilometres of testing every, every single year. And some manufacturers say, well, yeah, we can, we can shave an entire iteration of production car. We won't build one set of prototypes. Wow. You know, we can move from this phase of prototypes to this phase. And if you've, you've got a car as complex as the Pure Sangway or you know, most of today's other complex cars, they're just getting more and more complicated. The yeah. idea that you can do so much of that groundwork in a, in a warehouse without yeah. having to go. And they're so, they are so good, they are so accurate yeah. that you can do it. What sort of does surprise me is how bad some manufacturers get ergonomics, given they do have access to these rooms. And, you know, somebody can drive down any given route and, you know, you could, you could say to them, right, now uh, try and tune into Radio 4 yeah, while yeah. you're doing it. You yeah. know, why is it so now try putting the uh, heated seat on. You know, yeah. Why has nobody at Volkswagen ever done, ever done this test yeah. and gone, oh, yeah, I can't see the... Uh... And then the nighttime thing. Yeah, the nighttime thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. How do they get, how do they get in? So the latest, the latest Volkswagen infotainment system has a touchscreen beneath which are volume and temperature controls and they don't light up at night, which yeah. is baffling to me. How has nobody in a simulator ever gone, no, turn the lights off and see if you can change that the temperature? That is amazing. Like, especially that, VW. You know, we think yeah. of them as being, you know, getting up before us, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, though, I was thinking about it. You know, you can suddenly see the benefit of, from our own testing, uh, the benefit of sim, a sim, because how many times have we arrived at some test track and the weather's not with us or the test track's not quite with yeah. us or the, or the you know, the car's not quite on the right tyres or something? You can imagine um, being able to do things in optimal conditions must must make the car better. Doesn't yeah, it? it must do. Yeah, it must do, and it does um, for for the race teams, as you as you said. You know, you can you you know that they use those a lot. Yeah. And I went to Ford Performance, which is in uh, Charlotte in Texas. In, sorry, Charlotte in North Carolina, and they have two simulators in there and um they use them for a bit for so drivers know where they're where they're going and what the track will be like but also to develop the cars the, one of the guys was saying look we can we can go to four test tracks in a day and one of them might be the Nürburgring one of them might be Virginia International Raceway and we can take two cars and five engineers and that costs us five to ten grand for the day that would be a four-week testing program that costs a hundred, yeah. two hundred thousand pounds. Otherwise, think of it. You know, yeah, yeah, and you just but and they're so so accurate. That's the thing. When we were talking just before this, mm. you mentioned a convergent, a potential convergence issue. Didn't well, you? I, yeah, my fear about it is that I know some musicians who run a a sort of composition competition for new composers, and they they they'll get stuff sent in and. I have been told that you know there is there is a, a couple of pieces of software you can use to help you write a score of, of a score of music. You know, it just becomes much easier than laboriously writing out one by hand. And they've said to me, yeah, it's you know it's a very useful tool, but when you start playing it, you can tell it was written on that software. You so it doesn't tell. actually prompt you, but it just no, but it's just I think it's it's almost like a word processor rather than hand writing yeah. something. But yeah. it's uh, or it's like. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the analogy is for the rest of the world, but it, but it, yes, it helps musicians write. You know, composers put the, yeah. put the puts the put the notes and the hints and all the instructions in the right place. But I don't think it's as pure and analog a process as writing. And yeah, you know, I've had musicians say, "No, we just played it, and you, you can you can tell it was written with this 
bit of software, software yeah. and they say the phrase is they all sound the same yeah and my slight fear is that or was that you know if if everybody's using simulators to converge on an ideal a lot of cars would end up feeling very similar yeah. and synthetic. But I and don't... it is a danger, isn't it, convergence? Because we, we, we've already talked, haven't we, about, and you can see it any day, about the, the convergence created by aerodynamic uh, um, issues. Yes, you know? of course, yeah. They will end up looking at You remember the, we were the talking, the, we, I can't remember whether it was here or in the, in the office, we were talking about getting hold of a load of, of current SUVs, putting, you know, just, just putting them all unlabeled in silhouettes and getting uh, some experts to see if they could tell, you know, a Hyundai from a Toyota. Yeah, hard to tell them apart, I think. If you and I don't reckon things. you'd do it. No, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure I would be a, a great one on a, if you line up all the compact crossovers together. I don't know whether I'd, you know, I don't know how good I'd be. No. But I also don't know how worried I should be about it in terms of vehicle development no. and dynamics because I, one, the engineers are very quick to say, look, it gets us to a base point very very quickly it gets us to a base point where we start to integrate all of these different all of these different aspects of the car really quickly but then there is still just as much physical tuning as we ever used to do and in fact in a vehicle like the Puro Sangway and I think Aston Martin said it about the DBX as well more than usual because they are used to just dealing in cars with what do we what do we consider when they're making a, a DB11 or a 296 GTB they're worried yeah. mostly about performance and here they start to suddenly go wow this is broader I know um, Matt Becker now of Jaguar Land Rover who was uh, at Aston Martin when the TBX came out he said you know I've got a newfound respect for SUVs just because the amount of development that it takes when you try to make a car like that feel like a car that's from Aston Martin or Ferrari or whoever it yeah. whoever it might be so I, I think there's enough manual tuning that still goes on and I think there's probably enough uh, different technology stuck into these things that they will feel yeah. different I, so I maybe my fears about the sort of synthetic feeler well the, the, the thing they design it talking about the design anyway the, the thing they always say is have a look back in the 30s you know do, do do your exercise with the with the cars of the 30s and you'll find that a Buick's the same as a Bentley is the same as a oh uh, interesting you know a Derek as a you know yeah. a, so it's sort of, um, it's always been the case. And, we, you know, somehow we still stay interested, don't we? So yeah, we it can't do. be that bad. No, it can't be that bad, can it? Yeah. On the interested front then, back to your column for the, um, and, and and finally, is it called and finally in the thing? Uh, it's it called and else? another thing. And another I don't thing. know why. And maybe. another thing. Do Lego kits drive <laughs> sales interest? I'm intrigued by this. I'm really intrigued by this. Well, I th- uh, the backstory is I was given this uh, p- this um, kit of a Jeep Wrangler. It's it's um, it's it's tagged for eight year olds and above, mm-hmm. and I found it a pretty reasonable challenge. A couple yeah. of nights and and really enjoyed it. But while I was sitting there, I was thinking, God, I really need to go in one of these. And I found <laughs> myself feeling the seat and wondering what the steering was like. And yeah. so I am going to. Borrow one, and and uh, I can quite believe that it heightens your awareness of a particular make. And you know, I just I've, I've found myself wondering whether this leads to sales, and I think mm. it might. Mm. I mean, the manufacturers certainly cooperate, don't they? So, yeah, 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 yeah. I like you, mate. I was I was given one for Christmas. It was a Ferrari three thirty race car, no five twelve race car. Oh right, so took me big and. Uh, no, no, I think same sort of size as your Wrangler, which I've seen. So okay. yeah, similar sort of thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's got the you know it's an officially licensed product. 
Took me a couple of nights as well, actually. About yeah. 100 instructions. Not Quite bad fun, things. is it? It's good fun, yeah. Better than reading. And looks and looks apart. Some Lego models look of cars don't always look perfect no. to me. Some of them, you no. just think, oh, it looks like one that's been in a terrible accident. But actually, <laughs> your Wrangler, which I've seen, looks pretty good. And also this Ferrari looks pretty good as well, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, I wonder with, with those and with... I mean, posters we would have had when we were kids, but also motor shows when you are kids and you go to shows and you see these cars. I wonder, and it's impossible to quantify, I suspect, but how many times does that exposure at a young age to those things give people a brand affinity and also just a, yeah, just, just builds their affection for that particular, you know, for cars. I think you just said it, brand affinity. Mm. Brand affinity is really a big deal to me because... Somebody said the other day, I wish I could remember who it was, but it was some some really wise guy, you know, mm. talking sales and marketing talk. He reckoned that brand affinity was the would be the last surviving... Yeah, Vincent Kobe from Citroën. Right, yes. right, that's it. Yeah. That was it. You were talking about oh, you, it. Yes, he said to me, and I said, what you, I said, how can brands be more trusted than politicians and whatever? He said, well, I, I'm not fighting for re-election in... 2014, and think about the things that you, you know, think about your watch, think about your jeans, think about all of the, your shirt, all of those, I mean, you overstated my you know, taste in shirts, clearly, but he, you know, all of those things that you you love, you buy because of the brand attached to yeah. them. And, you know, you yes, it, it's... So strong with me. Yeah, it can So be. strong. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I feel a bit stupid being as being as motivated by but sort of love of brands. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, you suddenly feel slightly exposed by it. I mean, I did. I mean, yeah. I know I go and buy the same... I do go and buy the same brand of jeans all the time. And I've, you know, I quite like Casio watches, so I've got a few. Yeah. Which is just, yeah, I do, a bit left open for it. Yeah, it's but weird. I, but, I, but I would not... And in a way that I would not... Um, you know, I voted various different ways over the years. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm quite quite easy, you know, as as I think most sensible people, people should listen to, you know, other views and whatnot. But yeah, brands yeah. are very I find it yes, quite easy to be a fan of a brand. Yeah. And um No, I'm the same. I've yeah. had bought lots of motorbikes over the years, never but Jap you know, but lots of makes, most of the Japanese, but never a Suzuki and and never a Kawasaki. Yeah. But but lots of Hondas, lots of Yamahas. You know, lots of Ducatis, you know, Laverne. Well, so so you spread of yourself around them, mate, so that's okay. We're well, not, you know, you're not, you're not clearly... I used, to, I used to have seen it as a conceit to fill up my garage with motorbikes. I had 10 at once. <laughs> Did you? For a while, yeah. It was such a bugger because because the thing is, just to, just to get them out, start them up, go around the block a few times, put them away again, was a day's work. Mm. And and the thing that was I always remember was amazing, that was was getting to the end of it and all of the engines would be hot, there are 10 of them. Yeah, and so there'd be this kind of heat wave in the garage. Ooh, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, even in the winter, it was a great place to be. Yeah, I quite <laughs> like that. I, maybe, I, maybe I do need more motorcycles. <laughs> you do definitely. <laughs> <laughs> right, that brings us um, about to the end of uh, this episode, episode twenty-one. We will be back next week, Steve and I. Thank you very much for today, mate. Great. Meantime, you can uh, email us autocar at haymarket dot. Oh, actually, uh, Peter Taylor, who wrote to us the other week about that uh, vinyl recording he had of the oh, yeah. 50s GP. I've had a couple of notes about that with people saying they would gladly take it. So we'll I'll sort that out because I would love to hear it in the, in the yeah, future. Yeah, he's volunteering to send us the contents on a file, isn't he? Yeah, somebody, so, yeah, so somebody's written in and said, yes, I'd love to have it. And, yeah, I'll share it so that we can play it on 
over the air, which is cool. So we'll get on with that. But anyway, in the meantime, you can write to us autocart at haymarket.com. You can find uh, autocart at autocart.co.uk. We're on YouTube where this week's video is going to be a BMW M3 touring review by Richard Lane, I believe. Much loved, I think. Much loved, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. It ticks yeah. a lot of boxes, that sort of car, yeah. isn't it? It's, you know, Did you see you his need? bit on Twitter where he's in the tip? He was, he was taking oh, a load yes. of... Uh, a lot of building rubbish to the to the yeah. tip and sort of saying how much it was admired by the other tip member. That it was. Sorry, recycling centre attendees. His recycling centre is indoors, it seems to be. It seems oh, to right, be in a big okay. warehouse. It's very swift. Yeah. Very fitting. Sure was. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Autocar is also on all the socials. And don't forget, a subscription to Autocar uh, you can get digitally or in print as it has been every week since 1895. Until next week, take care. See you.